Hello, and welcome back to Fungibility. I'm your host, Ruv. It's been an interesting week, to say the least, with the FTX saga. When you look at what's happening in this space, my mind is absolutely blown. You see this group of, of sort of late 20-somethings that literally have no real experience in anything other than just hacking, you know, creating a multi-billion dollar organization. And you, you look at some of the details that are coming out of the, of the FTX, I don't even know what you want to even call this. It, it's definitely going to be a movie of what's happening. You see this sort of crazy amount of you know trust placed in these folks that they were doing the right thing and the the craziest parts of this was you know sbf or sfb whatever his acronym he was supposed to be the the guy that was going to bring and legitimize cryptocurrencies he spent his time in the sort of halls of power in washington dc telling people that the, the crypto industry needed more regulation and more oversight and he was the guy to define these things he he spent 40 million dollars of other people's money on on candidates in the last u.s election to help bring this idea you know that that he was the sort of savior of, of the crypto world you know and ultimately it was all a facade it was all a lie he was the guy in one and and from one side of his mouth he was saying i'm the person to lead the the crypto world into the future and on the other side he was spending the deposits of all the company's partners that were actually using his platform as the basis of how he sort of financed his liquidity so it, he's not just a fraud. He he's he's a the most the worst kind of fraud. He's a hypocritical fraud, right? So anyway, it's been it's been an, a really tough week in the crypto space. The the FTX has probably set back out of the the sort of crypto world by I would say years. Trust is the hallmark of of the financial industry, whether it's crypto or traditional, and that trust has been literally eroded in probably 24 hours last week. Now, what's interesting, though, is the, the mechanisms in which that trust was eroded. You have on one side, you've got, you know, CZ from uh, Binance, who, you know, is obviously the most powerful person in the crypto world, without question. You know, he just decides after seeing an article on Coindesk that he's now lost faith in the FTX or FTT token, does a tweet. Suddenly, everyone runs through the door saying, I'm no longer wanting this FTT token. And there's a liquidity crisis within the context of FTX because all their assets are essentially tied up in this FTT token. And at which point, everything collapses. The guy loses $16 billion in basically an afternoon uh, at the whim of his biggest competitor saying, I no longer want to support your token, which is crazy, right? It speaks to well, the fact that that particular token and the the sort of economies that support it were highly centralized, in, in centralized into essentially two players. You've got Binance, who owns some exorbitant amount of that token, and you have FTX, which leveraged that token in terms of collateral for just about everything they did, from you know sponsoring the FTX stadium in Miami to venture capital deals to a multitude of other schemes. And as soon as there was no value in that token, it, it essentially collapsed. That that that'd be like the the U.S. saying, "I no longer have you know any um, you know I don't feel like the euro has any value, and I'm going to take all my money out of the euro." And the euro collapsing, and the entire EU saying, "Oh, we now have a worthless currency." That is essentially what Binance did last week. And then he's like, "Hey, you know, I I hope I didn't mess up the the crypto industry too bad." Now. On one side of the spectrum, it's like, well, he exposed the fraud, I suppose, 
But on the other side of it, he he was the guy that created the fraud in the first place by sponsoring, funding, enabling, you know, FTX, you know, from being one of the first and largest investors in it. So it's almost like, you know, he he didn't like Sam and decided that he was going to just use that against it. Anyway, crazy times. We'll see how this all shakes out. There's a bunch of companies that are essentially failing because of it. I think I saw BlockFi, is, is, who was saved by uh, FTX a few weeks ago, is now doomed by them. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully, And like, like every other storm in the crypto world, this will pass. And when tough times call, you build stuff. So the folks that are building things of real value are always going to have opportunities. Now, are you going to be worth you know, overnight $16 billion? Maybe not. But literally, who cares? Who needs to be worth $16 billion? I think most of us will be happy with fractions of that in terms of a success. Um, we've got a great episode lined up this week. Um, hopefully, I, I won't talk too much in regards to FTX. Uh, this particular episode, I think, was recorded a couple weeks ago. So, you know, it's always a little balance between uh, what, what's happening today and, what, and what's happened a couple weeks ago because a lot happens in, in, in a week or two. Um, all right. Without further ado, let's, let's jump into this week's episode. Hi, and welcome back. Um, we're joined by Zach Manhire today. He's got an interesting startup in the sort of web web two meets web three world the little conversation about how brands are sort of utilizing the technology welcome to the show yeah thanks for having me um delighted to be here so before the show started we were sort of chatting a little bit about the space and what what you're doing what's what's the elevator pitch how, how do you per, sort of describe what you do so frontier x is essentially a web three infrastructure play for web two brands i mean um we we've built an application suite with a host of different pro products and features that sit underneath it whether that be ticketing loyalty coupons advocacy um loyalty a whole host of different things with easy seamless integration into web two domains um but it's a, it's it's kind of like a quite a distance from where we came from as well, you know, 18 months ago where, where we looked at the space and, you know, we thought a marketplace was the right idea to build. You know, we, we believed that in NFTs and we believed in mass adoption, utilizing the technology. Um, but we felt that uh, redirection to external websites and platforms wasn't the right thing. So we thought about uh, building a marketplace that could be easily integrated. And then three months kind of down the line, we realized open order books were coming everyone was going to have marketplaces and it just didn't make sense for us to build it. So we, we incorporated that into our kind of application suite. And we, we took a step back and said, you know, what's the barriers to entry? What's the problem that Web2 brands and organizations have with Web3 at the minute? Um, and what can we build to, to negate those kind of um, barriers to entry so that it becomes a lot easier for them? And that includes looking at Discord, you know, understanding the risk that comes with Discord and building a community. And actually, these brands and organizations probably do have a community, not deeply connected, but they have a community, they have a consumer base. And it's about how, how can we incentivize them and build them in, into, into kind of Web3 play? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. the The Web three space is certainly hot. You you hear brands like Starbucks and others starting to embrace the use of NFTs within their loyalty programs. You know, the the technology I think is is an interesting one when it comes to brands and the it, you know, and it's a bit of a dichotomy these brands sort of face, right? They they like their sort of walled gardens. They like to sort of keep their their 
their customers inside their own sort of stores and their own environments, marketplaces and whatnot. Yet a lot of the, the sort of opportunities for Web3 is in this kind of interoperable approach to, to brands, right? And how they work with others. You know, how do you sort of straddle that type of, you know, challenge? Yeah, I mean, it's, that, that's a really good question. It's, it's, that's really difficult to do because obviously within Web3, we want interoperability and you're absolutely right. Businesses don't want to, you know, they love this closed ecosystem that they have. Um, and it, it's, it's a very difficult conversation um, w- with a lot of them. But the, the truth as well is, is, is trying to tell them the difference between Web2 and Web3. You know, at the minute, they're kind of saying that if it ain't broke, why fix it or change it? And it's like, yeah, but it is broke. You know, you don't know your customer truly. You know, and every piece of information you're getting is through a third party often. Um, so you really don't have a touch point. You really don't drive loyalty and rewards. And what Starbucks had done was a, was very progressive. Um, I think it was a great statement within, within the industry. Um, and I think they'll reap the rewards for that as well. Um, you know, I used to work at, at Costa Coffee, so I used to head up the global brand and strategy. Um, obviously before I moved it to Coca-Cola, Monster Energy Drinks, and then into private equity. And the, the, the difficulty they have with gift cards and loyalty is an accounting nightmare. It really, really is um, for them. So having something that's immutable, having something that's trackable, knowing their customer, having those data touch points, being able to have them within the ecosystem, but rewarding them with other things, and also having the customers being able to use those rewards to have a cash value, right? Because you can't, I mean, it's very, very difficult, especially with coupons, you know, the amount of websites that just offer coupon codes and everyone, you know, it's, there's no value in it. If it, if it was actually personalized and there's a value to it, and you could trade that with someone who was actually going to make a purchase somewhere, that becomes a, a kind of a greater reward for the, the consumer. Yeah, and, and that's always been the, the challenge. I think the the idea that I have points on an airline, for example, you know, I might have it for airline A. Now, are is airline B going to you know use those points, yeah. accept those points? Do they want them? And so this this idea of kind of an open loop versus a closed loop sort of approach to to loyalty and branding and, and opportunity. And I think that when you look at the, some of these opportunities, it's sometimes not necessarily about enabling the next Starbucks, but possibly enabling a group of independent coffee shops on the corner that can now sort of leverage the collective benefit and value of creating a kind of, you know, open community that says, we'll accept, you know, the random coffee shops points from down the street or down the, you know, in a different country or city and creating that opportunity to sort of collectively work together. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and you, you kind of hit a, a good point there with that kind of loop um, terminology that you use. I mean, we talk about an infinity loop and we talk about how do you build that infinity loop for a consumer, uh, whether that be through advocacy and uh, loyalty. But then also, you know, it, it's about embracing kind of diversion as well, because you, you want that consumer. If they're a loyal consumer, give them the points, let them use them somewhere else, you know, uh, give them the convenience of being able to go to a local coffee shop and, and, um, and, and spend them rather than waiting for a once a year or once every three year trip to utilize some, some air miles, you know, it's, uh, it, it's flawed in the makeup at the minute. And that's why you see a lot of loyalty. And, and I know I'm specifically talking about loyalty here because that's kind of, hot on the on, on the lips at the minute um but you know there's there's just it, it to me it's 
there's going to be mass improvement within loyalty if if companies like Starbucks take take the step to embracing uh, NFTs and and blockchain technology. Well, they're they're the ones that a lot of people follow, and there's always a balance in these early markets, you know, disruptive markets between the trailblazer and the late adopter. The, you know, the the trailblazers are the ones that. Dip, you know, sometimes get, you know, let's say shot out front. And the then there's the bigger sort of late majority that will show up months, years later that, that are maybe not going to be the ones that, that set the trend, but they're definitely the ones that will probably make a lot of the money. So there's the, you know, what is that book, the Crossing the Chasm book, where you're looking at sort of this chasm of opportunity we're in that chasm, right? We're in this, you know, we're in the midst of a crypto winter. There's, you know, a lot of the hype that we saw last year has has gone away. And right now, I'd say this is the time when people build. They build interesting things. They do prototypes. They they really show what, what you can do with this technology. And I think that some of what you've been describing is kind of the inevitable next step in, you know, non, at least non-fungible things, right? I think that the first generation was predicated on, pretty pictures, scarcity maybe, but the next generation should and probably will be based on something a little more than that, maybe actual utility and value. And NFTs provide that, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think actually the, n- the next wave is that a lot of people won't even know that their, that their loyalty or their coupons or their interactions or their participate or whatever they're getting in return is an NFT. I think it'll be a seamless integration. I, I think the the UX, the UI will feel very, very much the same. It's just that they'll feel they're benefiting more. Um, and I think that that will be the next stage. I think, and it'll have to happen for mass adoption. I, I, I just genuinely don't believe that people will sign up saying, well, this is on blockchain. What blockchain? This is an NFT. How does it operate? I think it, as long as the integration seamless and frictionless, it'll happen. And yeah, we're in, we're in a build market at the minute. Um, and it's tough because people are building great stuff you know they people some companies were heavily funded and did very well in the bull um some are struggling through and bootstrapping their way through and there's still money out there but fundamentally whatever we build there's got to be some form of adoption on a wider scale there's got to be you know we can all build stuff but if you're building for no customers then there's no point so you know i think that's why collectively as an industry we're working hard to educate and we're working hard on real life use cases and we're moving away from the pretty pictures and the and, you know, um, the FOMO that comes along with um, a very niche part of what this industry is going to become. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, there's a lot of FOMO, especially in the midst of a bull run, right? Everybody wants to do something, you know, every, I'm going to be the first to do X, Y, Z for NFTs or Metaverse or so, or whatever the, the, the buzz du jour is. And, you know, that's great until you, you see things like the utter collapse of DeFi because there was this kind of gold rush mentality that led to everyone say, I don't care how it works. It's, it has to work. These guys are smart. So what if they're offering 3000% yields? And, you know, <laughs> obviously there's a, a balance between, you know, the, the sort of gold rush mentality and, and the building of a sustainable business and industry that lasts more than, you know, uh, 18 month cycle yeah actually and it, it's, it's a it's a good analogy with the gold rush and you know my one of my favorite sayings as well is you know the people who make the most money in the gold rush were the ones who sold the, the spades and and that was kind of our thinking as well which was you know let's not jump into this let's not do nft projects um 
let's not work because at the, at the time you know when we were 18 months ago even 12 months ago you know we were being approached just due to networks and contacts and being in the space by brands and people wanting to do different type of drops and quick cash grabs and everything else but you know no one had the the capex up front you know they wanted to take on the back end you're looking at it thinking well yeah you know market's strong you know there's great ip here pretty cool utility in in terms of a roadmap not actual utility it was just a vision um and it was dangerous you know it was very very dangerous we we nearly fell into the trap a couple of times and and it would have hit us very very hard if we'd have done it on the back end and actually we realized that that's not our play that's not who we are you know we build tech we're a tech company and yes we've got a small um curation team but that curation team isn't to create nfts for people that curation team is to visualize our integrations within web2 companies so they can see exactly how this would work exactly how it would flow and make sure that it's seamless and we can you know rather than it being too fragmented where we have to either work with a brand or an organization then we have to work with either their in-house marketing team and then often they will push us on to their incumbent agency their incumbent agency will also have a partner agency who is educating on web3 but doesn't build anything and there's too many different touch points so um that's why we've got that kind of small um cre creative team uh, but often, you know, when we start visualizing, they're like, wow, this is really great. Can you now start building out our NFTs for us and showing what it's there? And it just takes us too far away from, from what we want to be. And so you, you, you've built a all-in-one Web3 infrastructure sort of platform, I think I see from your website. What, what sort of platforms do you support? You know, what, what, what kind of, I don't know protocols specifications what like what do you yeah I, so i mean i mean we we work on a, a number of uh, layer ones and and layer two so on the layer two polygon and immutable x um ethereum mainnet algorand uh we're looking at solana at the minute um but we haven't pushed a button on it um just due to kind of developers available um but our application in in theory you know we we understand that Oh, or should I say that the, the, the organize the enterprise organizations and brands that we're looking at, we know that a lot of what they're going to be doing over the next 12, possibly 24, but 18 months will be in loyalty and free airdrops, right? So it's all about low issuance fees, if any, low gas fees, carbon neutrality, things that can really drive volume and really drive engagement on, on, on our application, which is integrated. And, you know, we have token gated chat, token gated announcements. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, we, there, there's, we, we have um, social handle integration so that actually if you're an active um, social media user, but you're engaging actively um, with, with a brand or an organization, then there's no reason why you shouldn't also be rewarded uh with airdrops rather than being somebody who's just downloaded a wallet or participated in something because they understand it a little bit more you know it's about kind of bridging that that all encompassing who is the consumer what different touch points have we got and how do we reward them you know it's it's you, you mentioned something i found uh, i've been thinking about a lot lately you know we we use polygon a lot we've, we've minted at least close to a million nfts on polygon and the the one thing that that i'll say about polygon you know it, it's it's cheap it's it's uptime is terrible, but but the you know this idea that it's somehow like a layer two scaling solution, 
just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, uh, you know, it's it's basically like a la it, it's a layer one masquerading as a layer two. And, you know, nothing against Polygon, an early, early sponsor <laughs> of, of, of my podcast. I love the Polygon guys. But but, you know, this is a problem with a lot of these sort of blockchain projects is the the sort of you know, marketing position versus the reality of what it does. Like, you mm -hmm. know, if it was truly a scaling solution, it would be scalable. Would it not? Yeah, listen, I agree. I mean, interestingly, though, we, we take a slightly different approach. So we built our, our application to, to interact with protocols and, and different blockchains. However, the majority of our conversations are usually led either by the blockchain or protocol themselves or by the brand who's already done a deal with the blockchain or protocol, but they can't do, you know, it's simply the tech. So there's been an agreement in place and then they come to us. So usually it's not us telling the organization or the brand what blockchain or protocol to use. Usually it's already predetermined. So you're, you're looking at sort of this idea that there's this marketing opportunity with these blockchains that that want to get you know their 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 blockchain their technology their community more visible and and you sort of take a sort of more partner sort of approach is that that the idea? Yeah, kind of. I mean, so you know, you you'll know as as well as I do that you know a lot of brands organizations will approach Polygon. Polygon have got a a great business development team as well. They're going after people just like Immutable X, okay, a bit more in gaming, sure. But they're going after people and they're signing people up and, and you know, they're, they're selling the dream about their blockchain and then all of a sudden it comes to, okay, now, now we're partnered with you. How do we integrate this? How, how do, and then, well, that's as far as it goes with us. You know, you need to then work with one of our partners and here's one of the partners, Frontier X. Of course, there's multiple different partners depending on the requirements, needs and who suits and fits it best. But, and that's when it will come to us. So it's kind of funneled into us as opposed to us, us being uh, outbound. Um, so then obviously then we'll work because it's been brought to us by either Polygon or Immutable X or who, Algorand or whoever it might be. It comes to us and we're like, okay, well, we, we know the task in hand here. So we'll build this for this certain brand. You know, what? one of the interesting stories over the last week or two has been the Binance smart chain hack. You know, I think it was originally 100 million. I heard some people say it was as much as 570 million. But regardless of the number, I think they only actually got away with about $10 million worth of proceeds. And it's interesting to, to see that, you know, again, Binance supposedly having this kind of decentralized proof of stake blockchain you know they were able to, to basically lock down their entire blockchain because it was so centralized right and the, yeah. the, ir the irony of the whole situation is their centralization basically allowed them to basically block the hack and and limit the the proceeds that were taken essentially i, th I think that if you're not familiar with the con what happened there they someone basically found an exploit in in the validators or i think it was a bridge mm -hmm. minted two million you know, BNB tokens or whatever, and then couldn't get them off because essentially the the uh, the system was so was so centralized that all they needed to do was basically stop you know the the offboarding. So you yeah. know, at, at which point I, my my question is, why even bother having a blockchain, right? It's it's like you it sounds like you know Facebook credits or a game credit system at this point where you know a small group or a single entity has complete control. That that seems to be quite you know that seems on one side that you know there's this they were able to mitigate the the hack within you know a, a very short period of time because of the centralization, but on the flip side it's like again why bother? 
why bother using a blockchain at all in these scenarios? It's just random thoughts. Yeah, I, listen, it's, it's a, we get asked that a lot, you know, um, and it, it, usually when it's speculative, I mean, and, and this goes back to my original point, you know, a lot of Web2 brands and organizations will say, well, you know, what's the difference? What do we get here? We don't, we don't get it. Well, one, you get immutable data, obviously. One, you're kind of going to get this in, infinity loop. And two, you're going to have someone bought into, into this reward system if you integrate it in the right way. And you're going to be able to give them things that they never had before. Um, and, and that is true. We can see that. We, you know, there, there, is going to be, um, there is going to be mass adoption with interoperability. And whether that you know, starts out with gaming or loyalty or whatever else it might be, it's going to grow and grow and grow. And there's going to be you know, lots of different wallets and applications that all speak to each other, interact with each other. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one with the, with, with the blockchains themselves. I mean, we are, um, I don't know how much I can give away here, but um, obviously we, we've had some announcements in the past week that we're, we're in a global partnership with LG Electronics where we've built specific software for them and, and all of their WebOS connected screens, um, which enables a lot of different applications. At this stage, quite low, and it will grow and evolve depending on what the requirements of their clients are, but it will enable, you know, if you think Burger King has LG screens, digital menu boards, ordering screens, the integration with the CMS provider then to offer some form of proof of participation, some form of novelty, whatever it might be, um, geolocation type, whatever it could be, NFC through the wallet is there. So it, it's it's very easy to integrate something. Um, but, you know, even LG themselves, uh, you know, rumor has it, and I, I'm going to say that rumor has it, you know, they are looking to build their own blockchain. Um, and I think people are, and, and I still question why. I, I you know, I, I, I really, really do. I just, don't see the benefit and i don't know whether they're saying they're going to build their own benefit their, their own blockchain because actually what they want to do is create just a system that works because most of the systems in play at the minute within businesses don't work you know they're broken there's constant updates the software they're using doesn't communicate with a different integration that they have and it becomes a bloody minefield and that's why a lot of businesses have so many people working within the it department because it's just kind of like fragmented yeah and, and I think you see similarities in the early days of cloud computing. You know, every, for, for a while, everyone's like, I'm going to build my own cloud, right? And, and you had all these companies that were building these kind of replicas of Amazon in, in, their, own, in their own sort of data center infrastructure. And then they realized that it's, it's a lot of work to manage your yeah. own clouds, right? And, and it might have been technically cheaper in the sense that I could buy servers and depreciate the value on them and have my, my, my people work on it or whatever. But it ultimately meant that you were always sort of behind the curve because your tech was always, you know, on a five-year refresh cycle where, where Amazon's refreshing it like from pr pretty much every day. So it's, you know, I think you see the same thing in block blockchains. Now, I would say that there is a use case for, for blockchains, specifically when you look at things like channels. If you're looking to create a community of, 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 participants, you know, that are actively involved in the sort of benefit of, of your company. So let's say a group of resellers or a group of people who provide data or what have you, you, you have the ability to do so in a sort of transparent way, you know, a, a way that, that allows the, those, you know, partners to be involved in a more intimate way with, with your tech and, and your company. Now, I think it depends on what you're, you're, what you're trying to achieve with that, you know, is it, transparency is is it proof of something as you point out is it something else so i'd say 
on, on, a, on a case-by-case basis, it probably could make sense, but it's often just easier to just leverage, you know, other people's block blockchains that are purpose-built, right? And that's why you, there is a multitude 100%. of them now, right? You could choose Avalanche for things that need to be performant. You can use Solana if you want lots of downtime, you know, whatever, you know, there, there's, there, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm being mean to Solana. Sorry about that guys. But <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was a low blow, but like Solana is great for, for like liquidity. I, I'm not going to lie, but there are, there's lots of, lots of reasons. Right. And I think that it, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a case by case basis and that's going to evolve and, and that will evolve over the next 36 months. Um, and those requirements will change. And we've seen how quickly the, the landscape has changed over the past 24 months. Um, specifically, and I'm not talking about Web3 here, as we call it Web3, rather than kind of crypto or whatever else it is. We you know, call it that kind of umbrella. But, um, you know, the, the emergence of NFTs and the emergence, what, what happened with crypto kitties, and then everything else that comes on the back of that. And we saw the kind of at the height of the bull, the NFTs and the, the scarcity and the art and everything else that came into it, it's going to lose value. Um, but what we did see come out of the art at the latter end was obviously the utility. And that utility is kind of was the, wasn't necessarily the birth, but got people to really open their eyes to say, well, is this an investment opportunity here? You know, what do I get on the back of it? And then you take it to another level and say, you know, what do, you know, is it, if you're not going to give something back, then what's the point of doing it? And and I think it's all about that kind of equality and shared ownership, you know. Um, utilizing blockchain, you could do this in a Web2 sense, but it's unlikely um, because of how centralized it is and the people who control the data. But, you know, if someone was to have a wallet, um, interactions, everything locked in there, but those immutable transactions, and they were to say, do you know what, I'm going to click a button here which says you can sell my data and you can reward me with expert and this is the value of my data um and i don't mind you doing that because it's transparent and at the same time as well i'm going to you know participate in this i'm going to start build i'm going to you know be deeply bonded with this certain brand i already am you know i'm an avid consumer but they don't know i'm an avid consumer right i'm, I'm going into a clothes shop i don't know supreme i'm spending x amount of money on my credit cards all the time um, but if I haven't actually kind of signed up to their program and there's no way of really linking things in, I don't really know that I'm a, I'm a really valuable customer of theirs, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, this has been a really interesting conversation. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with this particular podcast, we have a widget on the fun, fungibility.co webpage. Take, take a look at the website and you'll see on the left-hand side, the, the widget, we gamify the approach of this podcast. So every, everything we're discussing here, you can learn more about on, on this week's uh, particular challenge, answer questions, visit links and do various tasks and you'll get rewarded with points. Those points can be then redeemed for this particular episode, which will be minted likely to Polygon. Shout out to Polygon for uh, their, their ongoing support. <laughs> Sorry about what I said earlier, guys. You'll, <laughs> you'll always get an, an honest opinion from me. Um, but we, we love you guys regardless. Um, so take a look at that. And for those who aren't uh, you know, checking out our website, where can they learn more about you and, and your company? Uh, yeah, so um, I'll, I'll, I'll send over some links and everything else. But you can go on uh, FrontierX.com. Uh, and that's with a zero in Frontier. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on on Twitter, MurrayBoldEagle.eth. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get the links out. Well, it's it's been a really enlightening conversation. I really take appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. 
no listen appreciate the time guys keep up the fantastic work and and um i look forward to tuning in uh to every other one and another episode down shout out to laura our our great executive producer for making it making it happen every week for us and this is your host ruve fungibility thanks again